Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. We are in our sermon series. First Timothy, sound doctrine in the church. I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying going through the book of First Timothy. And one of the things that we do here at Villa's Grace Church is just that we go through books of the Bible verse by verse. So we handle God's word appropriately. And what that allows for us to do is this. It allows for us to be able to not sidestep anything in God's word. It allows for us to not be able to just pick and choose certain things that we want to preach so we, you know, keep people happy. That's not the goal here. The goal of the church is to share our faith with others and to help remind one another that we all need to be repenting on a daily basis, turning away from our sin, turning back towards God, and going through verse by verse through books of the Bible is the ironclad way to make sure that you do that each and every time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come together this morning now to open up your word here in 1 Timothy. I pray that you can penetrate our hearts through your spirit and allow him to guide us in what you have for us today. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mickey Mantle is probably one of the greatest to ever have played the game of baseball. Some of you remember him playing. Some of you have read about him but probably one of the greatest to ever play. And I'm going to give you some statistics to back up that statement. So just listen to these stats. These are his career numbers as a baseball player. Had a .298 career batting average. And just to put that into perspective, that means pretty much three out of ten times he got a hit. And that is extremely successful in baseball. Baseball is a game of failure. If you can get a a hit three out of ten times, it's pretty much guaranteed that you're going to be a Hall of Famer. He had 2,415 hits, he hit 536 home runs, and drove in 1,509 RBIs. That's runs batted in. He won the Triple Crown in 1956, and for those of you that don't know what the Triple Crown is, it's this. It means you have the highest batting average, it means you have the most home runs, and you hit in the most runs batted in, the most RBIs. So that means... He was the king of offense that year. That is a very rare to do. He was a six-time American League All-Star. He appeared in, check this out, he appeared in 12 World Series. So not only were his stats incredible, but he also appeared in 12 World Series and was a seven-time World Series champion. I believe that it is safe to say that Mickey Mantle belonged in Major League Baseball. The stats alone speak that truth, correct? However, in the beginning, he wasn't so sure. He didn't know if he was going to make it. Didn't even know if he was going to make it to the Major Leagues. And that's actually until his father, Charles Mantle, corrected him. See, the story goes that in the beginning of his minor league career, Mickey kind of hit a slump and wasn't playing so well. One day he called his father and he asked him to come pick him up and take him back to Oklahoma. Before he even made it to the point where he achieved everything that we just said that he achieved, he almost threw in the white towel or 
what you're looking at on the screen, he's throwing his batting helmet in disgust with his play. Now let me read this to you, this account that happened. When the elder mantle arrived, Mickey's father, Mickey expected sympathy and reassurances that it was time for his father to take the boy out of his cruel environment. Mickey's father, Charles Mantle, jarred his strapping son by saying, Okay, if that's all the guts you got, you might as well come home with me right now and work in the mines. Snapped awake, Mickey Mantle stuck it out, and that year was his first year of success, and he wrote his name into baseball history. Brothers and sisters, this is an example of a correction. This is an excellent example of how you correct somebody in love. See, it could be looked upon as a rebuke, and as we're going to see today, a rebuke is not always necessary, but I want to give you this definition of a rebuke. It's to express sharp, stern disapproval or a reprimand. See, what's important is this. We should be actually correcting others for the purpose of encouragement. That's really what we should be doing as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because after all, Mickey Mantle received his correction prior to that 298 batting average, prior to his 2,415 hits, prior to his 536 career home runs, prior to his batting or driving in 1,509 RBIs. This is prior to his 16-time American League All-Star ballot achievement and prior to his seven World Series that he won with the New York Yankees. If his father didn't step in to correct him in such a way, we may have never known who Mickey Mantle was in the first place. But what if his dad would have showed up with a harsh rebuke? You know, parents, how it could be sometimes, or maybe you have done this, or maybe you've wanted to do this, like, you know, a parent yelling at a child for not keeping up with the parent as the parent's holding the child's hand, walking down the sidewalk. Brothers and sisters, we are called to correct sin. We are called to correct sin. However, we're called to do so properly. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. And that title states this, How to Properly Correct Sin. How to Properly Correct Sin. We're going to be in the book of 1 Timothy. We're starting chapter 5 this morning, and we're just looking at two verses. We're looking at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 5 of 1 Timothy. But before we do so, we cannot forget that last week Pastor Jared reminded us that faithful servants of Jesus learn, train in, and teach His truth daily. But most importantly, that truth should be taught to yourself and then an outpouring upon others. It was also noted that the philosophies of man are useless compared to God's saving truth. Therefore, we must focus on God's truth daily so we do not fall for the lies of this world. And that's exactly what this world peddles. Lies. Culture is full of lies. Today we're going to be encouraged to correct sinful behavior. 
And we're going to be encouraged to do so the right way, not the wrong way, because there is a right way and a wrong way to do so. We're going to learn the art of properly confronting sin, especially as it pertains to sin within God's family. Because after all, that's really what Paul's reminding of Timothy this morning. We're God's family here in this letter. And there is sin amongst us. And it is our job to hold one another accountable as we learn how to properly correct sin. So without any more being said about that, let's go ahead and allow God's Word to do the speaking. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. When we look at these verses, we want to be able to put them in a simple sentence so we can basically state what's being stated in a simplified manner. And that sentence looks just like this. God is honored when we correct sin in love. And that's basically what Paul's saying in these two two verses. God is honored when we correct sin in love. But see, God is honored when we correct sin. We can't forget that. We can't sidestep that. But when we do so, we must do so in love. Not the world's version of love, not culture's version of love, but the Lord's correct, defining definition of what love truly is. God is honored when we correct sin in love. Now, in in case you were wondering, though, after that opening illustration, if you were wondering what course correction actually looks like. It looks just like this. I mean, this is a picture of a mine in Oklahoma. Mickey Mantle knew exactly what his dad was saying. This is probably similar to what came to mind when his dad said, is that all the guts you got? Is that as tough as you are? Okay, that's fine, son. I'll take you back to Oklahoma, but you're going to have to work the mines with me. See, Oklahoma is actually known for mining They mine petroleum, crude oil, natural gas, and non-fuel minerals. I guess you could say that Mickey Mantle knew exactly what his fate had, what his career would have been back home. It's just that his father rebuked him slightly, more corrected him in love into a future that was brighter and better, and he became the Major League Hall of Fame champion that he ended up becoming. Let's look at this text a little closer to see exactly how impactful a loving correction can actually be. It's one thing to see someone or a situation from the outside, but it's quite the other to see someone or a situation from the inside, isn't it? Sometimes when you have a dog in the fight, it's hard for you to actually get a clear perspective on what's actually going on in front of you in your interpersonal relationships with others. But when you go to counsel... When you seek counsel from somebody else, sometimes you can give them the perspective of what's going on. They're on the outside looking in, and they can give you wise counsel because they don't have a dog in that fight. So the inside looking out perspective is different than the outside looking in perspective. The perspective is different from that outside looking in than it is from the inside looking out. Brothers and sisters, the reason why I'm saying this is because it's important to remember that when you're on the outside looking in, You must be sensitive to the amount of love that your observation should be saturated in. It's a lot easier for us to be harsh when we're not 
is invested in the actual sin that's taking place, the conflict that's there. If we're not as invested, it's very easy for us to be harsh with somebody. But we need to be careful to show the right amount of love that is required. And I believe Newt Larson, a quote that I'm going to share with you right now from him, says it best when he says this. He says, people are sensitive to their own weaknesses. Drawing attention to their failings is often painful. Even so, a pastor must not shrink back from the obligation to exhort and correct. The heart of the pastor and the manner in which he approaches others is crucial in determining whether the rebuke and guidance will be positive or counterproductive. Now, the opposite is actually true for those on the outside looking out. But let's back up for one second. That's why we can't sidestep anything. That's why we can't not address sin. No, yes, we have to address sin. Sin will happen. Sin has happened, sin is happening, and sin will happen in our lives, within our relationships, until Jesus returns. We can't turn a blind eye to the sin that's actually going on. But see, we have to remember also this opposite is actually true for those in the inside looking out. Because if you're on the inside looking out and the outside looking in starts giving you that counsel, don't be so sensitive that you become defensive. Don't start defending your sin. The Lord has given you that outside perspective to see an angle that maybe you can't see yourself. The Lord might be using you on the outside to be sensitive in love, to share with the person on the inside for the very purpose to get them to see what they needed to see. But if you don't step up in love and tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, they may never receive it. And those who do receive it, make sure that you receive the word in such a manner that you don't become defensive and start defending your behavior. Now, this is being written to Timothy, who is a pastor. That's who Paul's writing to, Timothy, the pastor there in Ephesus. However, we all have an obligation to caution and correct our fellow brothers and sisters who are in sin. This isn't just for the pastors. You don't just come to Villa's Grace Church and say, well, Pastor Jared will take care of that for me. Or Pastor Steve's going to be the one to do this work. No, it doesn't work like that. This is written specifically to Timothy to encourage him as a pastor, but this is also for us as well. So whether we're on the outside looking in or the inside looking out, we cannot be counterproductive to what the Lord's actually trying to do. We cannot be counterproductive to the Lord's intended results because that's really what's going on here. The Lord wants to use us to correct others, to draw them back towards Him. Today we're being encouraged in how to properly correct sin. So first, let's observe Jesus' own words on how to do just that. Matthew 18, verses 15, 16, and 17. I will read them for you. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. 
quite clear in God's Word that we are to address known sin. We are called to be used by the Lord through His Spirit to help correct others when they sin. I hope that you do that for me in my life. Because if you're sitting here this morning thinking that I'm standing here thinking that I have it all figured out and I know all my strengths and weaknesses and I can see every angle, you are mistaken. I believe that the Lord has placed each and every one of you in my life to help me do just this. See, in our two verses this morning, we have four types of people with four different approaches. And that's really what we're seeing this morning. See, we have older men, younger men, older women, and as it says in the text, younger women. First, Paul begins by reminding Timothy, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. See, here, correcting sin begins with respect for age, and it begins with respect for life experience. Again, you're the outside looking in if you have this opportunity with an older man. Be sensitive to the amount of love and respect someone's age and someone's life experience deserves. We are now parenting teenagers in our home. Last night, I was reminded by a friend of mine who is a few decades older than me. He asked, how old again? I said, 14. He goes, yeah, I remember when I was 14. I knew it all. He said, I wouldn't even know how to survive on my own at 14. But at 14, I thought I could. We need to be sensitive to someone's age and life experience. Proverbs 16.31 reminds us of this. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Unfortunately, I will probably never have to worry about said crown of glory. That ship has done sailed for me. Not because I'm not living that righteous life, but you, you, you know why. But anyway, secondly, let's look at it like this at the end of verse 1. It says younger men. See, Paul is reminding Timothy that younger men should be corrected from their sin as what? What does it say? As brothers. Correct younger men as brothers. This reminds me of Mickey Mantle's father. What did Mickey Mantle's father say? Oh, okay. Is that all the guts you got? That's it? Son, you're telling me that that's it, right? These are all the guts that you got. This is all that you can take. This is all that you can endure. That's what I'm hearing you tell me right now. You want me to take you back to Oklahoma? Okay, yeah, cool. I can take you back to Oklahoma. But when we get there, first thing we're going to do Monday morning is go down to the minefields and we're going to get you a job. This was a very simple statement by Mickey's father. That's sensitive and loving from the outside looking in. Now, you would say, what do you mean by that? See, he didn't cut Mickey down. He didn't call him a loser. He didn't berate him. He simply gave him his options. He basically said, son, I'm hearing you say this is what you want to do. Okay, if this is what you want to do, this are, these are the consequences because he was on the outside looking in. It was a simple question, simple request from his son. 
But I believe when we look at this, this is exactly how Paul corrected Peter's sin. When we look at the book of Galatians, we see an example that is similar. See, in Galatians chapter 2, I want to read these verses for you, starting with verse 11 and ending in verse 14. And keep in mind, this is coming from that outside looking in perspective with the amount of love that it needed to be saturated in. Paul says this, he said, But when Cephas, who was Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? He simply asked him a question. You're doing this, but how is this so then? That was an awesome way to course correct Peter by Paul. He allowed Peter to answer that question himself. Just like Mickey Mantle's father allowed Mickey to make that decision himself. He didn't make that decision for him. See, when younger men are corrected as brothers, an air of superiority is deflated. And that's what we need to be sensitive to. If we try to correct them and make that decision for them, then it is very difficult for them to not see us as somebody who is acting superior over them. Brothers and sisters, don't give the immaturity of a younger man the motivation to rebel against your crown of glory. And we have a lot of individuals here who have earned their crown of glory. Thirdly, what's addressed here is older women. Older women should be corrected as mothers. According to the gospel, you will hear me say time and time again, I do not trust myself. But even the ones unsaved will say, only trust your mother. Church, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I wouldn't even trust your own mother. Our trust alone can only be found in Christ. The Bible is clear on the respect, though, that we should show our mothers. It doesn't say you shouldn't respect your mother. Proverbs 1.8 says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Proverbs 23.22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old, because she has earned her crown of glory. When correcting the sin of an older woman, treat them like you would your own mother. It's as simple as that. The respect you would show your own mother, you should show towards any woman who's in sin that is older than you. Now, when we look at the fourth way and the final way that we see here on how to properly correct sin. What does it say here? At the end of verse 2, it says, younger women as sisters, but then it ends by saying, in all purity. Brothers and sisters, the integrity and purity of younger women should be protected at all costs. I want to repeat that one more time because this is extremely important. The purity of younger women and the integrity of younger women should be protected at all costs. 
In fact, the integrity and purity of all women should be protected at all costs, in my opinion. Not just younger women. All women. The purity and integrity of all women should be protected at all times, at all costs. This is why we prohibit personal sex between the opposite sex here at Villa's Grace Church. Or really what I should say is we promote group texts. That's important. I hope you don't find me texting your wife without your husband included on that text. I hope you don't text my wife without including me on that text. Now, why is that? That's because I don't trust myself. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm, gonna, I'm actively trying to run around here and compromise the integrity and purity of the younger women or women in general. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I've been you know, in a position lately where I'm close to compromising that situation. That's not the case whatsoever. Accountability. Safeguard. That's why we promote group texts. The reason why Paul is encouraging Timothy to correct them as sisters, because you notice that, right? Correct them as sisters is because God's Word prohibits incest. Deuteronomy 27, verse 22 says this, Cursed be anyone who lies with his sister, whether the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. John MacArthur says this. This is a a quick little short quote from John MacArthur. He said, Nothing else makes or breaks a young pastor or his conduct with women. Wow. Wow. I would say let's take that a step further. Nothing else makes or breaks a Christian man's conduct than when it is with women. That reputation, how you handle yourself with the opposite sex could make or break you. That's the reason why God's Word saying treat them as sisters because God's very clear in His Word that incest is prohibited. Brothers and sisters, anything contrary or any form of violation in the eyes of the Lord is exactly that. It's incest. That's how he would look at it. Now, I believe there is a reason why Paul insists in all purity. There's a reason why he put that caveat at the end. He could have just said, treat them as sisters. Treat the younger women as sisters, Timothy. But he didn't do that, did he? No, he had to add to the end saying, treat them as sisters, but do so in all purity. And I believe the reason why Paul did so is because women who need their sin corrected, who are younger, are extremely vulnerable. Especially to a man that's perceived to be in a power position or a position of power or of authority. But then we go back and see, what did he say about treating young men? How do you treat young men? You treat young men in such a way that that air of superiority is deflated. You treat them as brothers. This is serious. There's a reason why he ended with this one. We have to be careful. Because in the church, in the family of God, there will be Moments, there will be times where younger women are vulnerable. And we have to make sure that we do everything that we can to protect their integrity and 
purity. My brothers in Christ, you should always behave like there's someone watching, shouldn't you? See, you should behave like there's always somebody watching you because there should already be somebody there watching. You should have already set up accountability. And if you haven't set up any accountability in your life, that's a recipe for disaster. We should always be behaving like somebody's watching. The only way to correct sin is to do so in love, but it's to do so with accountability. Because we may think that we're being loving according to how God has called us to be loving. And without that accountability, we may not, we may not realize that we aren't so loving. Or we might realize that we're being loving, but we're being loving from a worldly sense of love. See, because that worldly sense of love is the type of love that says tolerate. Don't hate, tolerate. But that's not love. We need the accountability. Really, what I, what, what I think we're observing here in these, these two verses this morning is really quite simple. It's that correcting the sin of older men, it's that when we correct the sin of older women, when we correct the sin of younger brothers or younger men or younger sisters or younger women, it, it's really important because it's vital, it's absolutely necessary in order to be part of a successful ministry. If we don't correct sin at all, there is no ministry being done. A church without sin isn't a church. Because that's just a bunch of blind people showing up on Sunday. Not realizing what it is that they're actually participating in. We'd be foolish to think that we come here in perfection each Sunday. Not one of us do. We all need to be hearing this this morning because we're all either going to find ourselves on the outside looking in or we're going to find ourselves on the inside looking out. We can be guaranteed of that much. Brothers and sisters, a successful ministry is one that constantly looks up to Jesus. One of the greatest ways that we can constantly be looking up to Jesus is through repentance. And repentance happens because we participate because of the sin that we participated in. And we also participate in repentance because of our brother or sister in Christ who had that outside perspective and lovingly corrected our sin in such a way that it made us realize we need to turn away from this sin and turn back to Jesus because that's what it's all about. That's the gospel message. The gospel message constantly and consistently reminds us that we are hell-deserving sinners, but it's because of the blood and work of Jesus that we now have a future, an eternal future. And our job is to not only remind ourselves of that each and every day, but it's also to remind one another. So if we just show up here and act like everybody's perfect and nobody brings any of their mess of a sinful life with them, we're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. These two powerful verses that we find ourselves in here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, 1 and 2, would have never been written if that were the case. 
This is a letter written to a church from one pastor to another, telling him how he should behave with his local church family for the greater good of God's church, the church that is his bride, the church that is being saved through his work on the cross, the church that he will one day marry. Our job is to live this gospel out. And mind you, we will not do so in perfection. Not one of us will. That's not the point. The point is, where are we going? What are we learning along the way? And how are we helping each other get there? Because that's what I'm seeing this morning. So I'm standing before you to say this. Call my sin out in love. And help me to not respond so sensitively that I get defensive when you do so. Help remind me of my need for Jesus, and I will do my best to help remind you of your need for him too. And this is the reason why we said this this morning, our one sentence that defined everything that we're getting to this morning from Paul's pen to Timothy in 1 Timothy. And that sentence states this, God is honored when we correct sin in love. That's the answer. How to properly correct sin? Do so in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for our fellowship here at Villa's Grace Church. I pray that we can be encouraged in your good news, and I pray that we can do that with each other. We can remind one another in an encouraging fashion of who you are and our need for you each and every day, every single time we come together. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.